Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, ASU is going to try to do something they haven't done in a decade, and that's beat the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, uh, you can do the, uh, you know, what was the world like back when the last time it happened. And for us, our, our world was certainly different. We were college freshmen. Uh, living in Hayden Hall and and uh, just maybe well I think less than a month or right about a month into our first year of college so um, it's been a long time yeah and uh, you know with with the exception of I guess uh, two years 13 and 14 we've we've played them every year and so we've had chances and uh, it hasn't hasn't fared well well Washington had a similar losing streak and they snapped it this year ASU's five and three and the Ducks are two and five this is as good a shot as any it it is it is I mean obviously you know you'd prefer it be at home I suppose if you're gonna you know if you're gonna draw it up perfectly you'd love to play them at home but aside from that yeah I mean they've they've been beaten in Eugene a couple of times already this year uh, and beaten you know badly by Washington there now Washington seems to be on a different level uh, than us and and almost everybody in the conference but also got beat there by Colorado, so you know, and beat there last year by Washington State, uh, which was you know the end of a long drought for them too. So uh, you know, a lot of teams have been getting their their revenge on Oregon in the last couple years, and you know, hopefully we can join the crowd. Yeah, it's certainly Autzen is still a tough place to play, and I think for ASU when they're on offense, this is going to be the toughest venue whoever's at quarterback has had to face so far. You'd think so, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, obviously uh, going to San Antonio and was not a, a real difficult home field advantage, and and you know the Coliseum is as great a you know as a historic place as it is. It's not a not a tremendously difficult place to go play as far as noise and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is our fourth road trip. Colorado uh, gave us some difficulty, but yeah, I mean, you'd expect the the crowd's intense, and yet um, it's a crowd that. That uh, you know isn't filling up the stadium the way they were a couple years ago, and it's a little restless. And so, if you get out on top of them early, they'll turn against their team because there's there's a lot of lot of anxiety among the Oregon fan base. I don't think it's anything that uh, this offseason athletic director Phil Knight, I mean mega donor Phil Knight, can't <laughs> can't fix with a huge yeah, check. So. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens with with Helfrich and. Uh, that situation, you know, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's weird because it, you know, you think it was just two seasons ago, they were in the national championship game. Um, but it, you know, it almost feels like Marcus Mariota just masks some problems there for three years. And, and these problems have kind of been brewing even with him, but you had that, that transcendent type of player that you were okay, uh, because he was there. And since he's left, it's certainly, you know, gone downhill quickly. Uh, if you're Helfrich, you you've got to be hoping for an Auburn like roller coaster where you're down this year, but you rally to save your job, and then next year you're back in the national title picture. Yeah, well, and and that's you know one of the things I've I've thought about this game is you know as much as from an ASU perspective we're looking at it and saying you know okay this is a winnable game they're looking at it probably the same way. I mean they've lost five in a row, but you look at the teams they've played and uh, you know lost to Washington who's undefeated. Lost to Washington State, who's undefeated in the conference. Lost to Nebraska, who's undefeated. Lost to Colorado, who's tied for the lead in the South. So, you know, they haven't they haven't necessarily lost to a bunch of bad teams. They're probably looking at this game 
from their side and thinking, hey, this is a chance to kind of right the ship and maybe finish the year strong and, uh, you know, get some momentum. So so both teams are probably looking at it as a game of, uh, you know, a should win, and obviously only one team can. Both teams are definitely in a, in a similar situation other than the fact that ASU's a win away from bowl eligibility in that the offenses have been okay, but the defenses have been the problem. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think Oregon has the worst defense in the nation statistically and, and ASU's can't be much better. Um, you know, Oregon has, has been gashed in the running game as well. ASU's been a little better against the run, but uh, but yeah, both teams have big, big holes defensively and you'd expect it to be a shootout type of game. But of course, uh, you know, we know the, the struggles ASU's offense has had the last four weeks with with different personnel and with injuries and, and those things are still there. So uh, that's the, that's probably the concern is you think this is a game that you could be able to put up a lot of yards and points, but you know, is this offensive group able to do that? Well, the ducks are allowing over 538 yards of total offense and over six touchdowns a game, 250 of those yards are on the ground. So you have to think that if Richard and Balaj are going to get on track and more specifically, if the offensive line is going to get on track for them, yeah, this is a game. But according to the most recent report from Haller, AJ McCollum, the starting center is still not with the team. Walk on right. Tyler McClure started last week. I don't know what happened between week one and now that they feel like they can't move McCray, but maybe it's because Sam Jones is also out. Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there's, yeah, that that must be the reason, and it doesn't sound like, doesn't sound great for either one of them to play this week. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, you at least hopefully keep the same unit as you had last week that maybe established a little something. Um, you know, as as much as it seemed like the offense struggled last week, it, you know, we still had 32 total points. Now, one, you know, one of those was off a of punt return, but um, you know, you, you score 32 points and you think you should be able to win a fair amount of games and it wasn't enough last week. Probably won't be enough this week, to be honest. I mean, this Oregon offense is still capable. They got some very fast running backs. Royce Freeman's not had a very good year. He's been injured, um, but they got a couple other guys who've been real good. And, and, you know, the freshman quarterback kind of, you know, came into his own a little bit last week, six touchdown passes, led him from behind. And, you know, he's got a little, a little experience now and, uh, you know, more more so than ours if it's if it turns out to be a battle of uh, true freshman starters. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Justin Herbert's made two starts this year. He and Dakota Prukop, who is the uh, initial starter for the Ducks, the graduate transfer, um, both have eight touchdowns passing, both through two picks. But like you said, Herbert last week had six touchdowns and a pick in the double overtime loss to Cal. He He's getting a lot of reps, and he's the guy who they want to start whereas the Sun Devils, impliedly or explicitly, are really hoping it's Manny Wilkins. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and I think, you know, like we talked about, you saw some reasons why they, they want to go with Manny. And, and, I mean, none of it's really a surprise. Obviously, you're, you're comparing a, you know, a, a third-year sophomore who's been with your team and, and in your program for a couple of years to a true freshman who last year at this time was playing high school football. You, you'd expect there to be a difference. Um, and, and there is, no doubt, but uh, to me, the, the vibe I get, and I don't know if you're getting the same vibe from reading stuff, is, you know, it kind of seems like Sterling Cole is going to start this game. Uh, we're not even getting that same confident vibe that they went into the Colorado game with, where, oh, you know, we think Manny can play it. 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting less confidence from what I read than I did two weeks ago. Well, everything seems to be angled towards Manny Wilkins will go if he can, but we're preparing for Dylan Sterling Cole to be the starter. And I think that's what you have to do. I mean, you cannot give him enough reps right now in practice. No, indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, agreed. I, I think you're right. I, I mean, uh, it just seems it just seems like the tenor of of the talk is a little bit different than it was two weeks ago, where it was kind of like, yeah, okay, we're going to have Dylan Sterling Cole ready, but we think Manny's going to be ready. This time, it seems a little bit more like, well, if he's ready, we'll play him, but if not, we'll be ready. And and you know, you have to always read between the lines when it comes to. Uh, you know, diagnosing injuries and, and return dates and stuff like that. It just doesn't sound great. Now, I, I will tell you, unlike two weeks ago, I kind of feel like if Manny Wilkins can play somewhat, uh, you know, I would I would probably play him because you do have a bye week after this. And this game feels kind of like a must. Uh, you know, it just it, it feels like an important one to get. And so, uh, you know, I think you – I'd push him if he's able to be pushed. But obviously, look, if he can't play, um, you know, if he's going to go out there and, and be on one leg with a bad throwing shoulder, uh, there's no point. You know, you got to go with the kid and see what he can do. Yeah, when it comes to Manny, it, this week seems more more so than the Colorado game. If he's mobile, I'm less concerned about his ability to pass than if he can be mobile because what we've seen from Dylan Sterling Cole – is the offense becomes very predictable because it has to be, but he's either drop back or rolling right, but they're, you know, the rolling right with a true freshman is pretty classic coach design for we're going to limit your sure. reads. You only have to worry about half the field. Now, look, if, if Oregon overcorrects for that, is there a throwback to a running back who's wide open? Sure, that'd be great, but the design of this is to keep it easy and keep it clean for Sterling Cole so that he only has to look one or two places but this Oregon defense has allowed, you know, so many yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And if Manny's a different element than Sterling Cole, if Manny can go, uh, you know, and can run the ball. Otherwise, I think you're going to be looking at a lot of the Sparky formation again. Yeah, I think so. I think you'll probably see a fair amount of that. I mean, I, that's that's kind of a, you know, it's one of those things that I think started this year as a little wrinkle we'll throw in in situations and it's become a necessity because of our quarterback situation that we need it. So it's, you know, it's kind of fortunate that you had that to go to from week two on, because I don't think they intended to probably use it as much as they did in a game as they did last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you'll see that. And, you know, Oregon has given up a lot of rushing yards. I watched him play a little bit against Cal uh, and Cal's not a, you know, not a dominant running team by any means, but they had a drive early in the game. They just, they just handed it off every single play, and a guy was getting about ten yards at a crack. And I, as I watched it, I even thought, boy, you know, this should be a, this should be a defense that plays into our hands because you know, we've seen when this offense runs at its best, it's when we're running the ball well with our two running backs and letting the quarterback kind of play the you know complementary role. So, yeah, that's that's got to be it. And but you're right. I mean, the offense does get simplified by necessity if Sterling Cole's in and. Uh, you know, the best thing you can do for a young, inexperienced quarterback who's rough around the edges is run the ball well. And that is going to come right back to the issues with the O-line. If this, you know, the one thing about Robertson, if Robertson has to play again, which it sounds like he's going to, yeah. he's a he's a big dude. And yeah. Yeah. you should be able to run behind him. You know, pass blocking is nuanced and picking up blitz schemes is nuanced. 
knocking down the guy in front of you and trying to clear three yards of space, that's not nuanced. That's, Agreed, you know. yeah. I mean, you know, it's always – you always hear, you know, coaches and, and former offensive linemen always say they, they prefer – run blocking you know it's easier you're you're getting downhill and you're attacking you know you're the you're the aggressor and so yeah i mean that's that's again you know if if you can win your battles which this is an oregon defense that you should be able to win your battles i mean the, the numbers speak for themselves with the amount of yards they give up and the amount of points they give up and you know that you can overpower them so that's that should be the you know regardless of quarterback i think you want to come in with that as your number one goal is you know to, to run the ball at will on them. And then whoever the quarterback is, you know, you, you make the plays when we ask you to, and especially if it's Sterling Cole, don't ask him to make too many. I agree. I think that, you know, DSC is growing and you saw that when he calmed down and I did think it was interesting in the Doug Haller piece about Sterling yeah. Cole and how Jalen Harvey had to go calm him down <laughs> because he was just firing fastball after fastball. Which you noted during the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's Brett Favre. That's not the point of this comparison. But I remember Brett Favre at the start of his career with the Packers would launch balls into, you know, far out of bounds on the oh, yeah. first drive of a series because he would be too amped up. And then he would ease his way into it. And hopefully Sterling Cole can, you know, ease himself into it faster. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, you know, it is something you come to, you know, just kind of expect with a young quarterback at any level you know whether you're talking about a rookie in the nfl or a freshman in college or whatever you know there's going to be those those uh early game type of jitters and especially you know last week was the first time he really played uh over a long period in meaningful snaps he had a you know he had those snaps against ucla but you know only took two as a quarterback so you know yeah there's an adjustment and he's also you know probably in high school he was able to just gun every ball and and it was fine because he might have just been better than competition. But, you know, you learn as you go. And and uh, hopefully last week was a good experience. This is partly why I, I wished he had played more against Colorado because then he'd have a little bit of road experience. He doesn't really have any of that. But that's the lot you're dealt, and, and you just got to go with it. On the flip side of the ball, you know, you mentioned Royce Freeman. We talked about the the – quarterbacks for Oregon Freeman and Tony Brooks James each have seven rushing touchdowns the Ducks have 21 total rushing touchdowns and while the team has struggled the offense is still the Oregon offense it's still good yeah yeah no doubt I mean you know their their biggest flaw is on defense but yeah they can they can put up points um you know and and uh they don't have the dynamic quarterback that obviously they had for so many years with Mariota and and before him, you know, Mazzoli and uh, Dennis Dixon. And, you you know, you go through the list, Darren Thomas. I mean, they had that that quarterback that was always a threat. They, You know, Herbert's a decent runner, not a great runner. You know, you know Prukop certainly didn't give them what they hoped. And, uh, you know, wasn't the impact guy that Vernon Adams was last year. So that's held them back. But, yeah, I mean, they still got running back talent. Um, you know, they, they did lose, uh, Devon Allen for the year. I know he tore his ACL again, but they still got, you know, some good options at, at receiver with Carrington, Farrell Brown back after the nasty injury. So, you know, they, they got talent. Um, and, and, you know, look, it's the same old story. Our defense isn't very good. I mean, how, you know, it's, we could, we could just go back and play previous conversations on loop and save ourselves 10 minutes of talking, 
We won't, but we could because it's it's the same story every week. Well, you mentioned Carrington. Carrington and Charles Nelson have combined for over 700 yards and five touchdowns receiving for the Ducks. I, you know, I'm curious what they're going to do if, if it's how they treated Smith-Schuster and how they've treated Chad Hansen. If Orr can do it, you would assume Orr is going to be shadowing Carrington all day. Probably has no choice but to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, but I do think it, you know, like, like so many teams, it starts with being able to, to stop the run. And, and we've done a, a decent job of that for the most part this year. You're not against Colorado and not against USC. And it's no coincidence. Those are our two worst losses. Um, and that's what we got to do. You know, we got to, you got to tackle well because all these running backs can break big plays on you. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's the biggest fear for me is, is, uh, you know, the, the running game, big plays in this game, we give up a lot of pass play, big plays, don't know that that's as big of a concern this week as as just the you know the five yard runs that turns into 60 those those will kill you in this game well and this goes to your point that you know when we played Cal when we played Texas Tech and I think it's going to hold true here there will be big plays if oh yeah you know and with the way our secondary goes I I'm curious because it's going to be the freshman Herbert I will Todd Graham go with the blitzing style that was somewhat effective in confusing Falk last week, who's a senior. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had, uh, you know, we've had decent pass rush outings two of the last three weeks. I mean, UCLA, we beat up Rosen. Last week, we beat up Falk, um, and those are those are experienced quarterbacks. Now, that was also at home. You get a little advantage playing at home with crowd noise and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that's uh, an important factor is to try to. You know, try to fluster the kid, try to do what we did last year to some pretty good freshman quarterbacks. And, you know, Josh Rose and Jake Browning last year, we, we mixed them up and we had them. We had them very confused as the games went along. It'd be be a nice time to pull that one out. Absolutely. This is the sort of thing that Todd Graham, defensive coach, must dream about, which is it's a quarterback making his third career start. The teams he's played before us do not run the same gambler blitz scheme that we right. like to run that's been our bread and butter. And even though we started the year with it far toned down, you saw a noticeable uptick last week at home. I think that Karan Crump and DJ Calhoun, you know, can make a difference if you let them go after the quarterback. And it's really just going to be a question of will they get there in time before the coverage breaks down in the second Yeah. Game? And that's, you know, that's been the issue going back to last year. Right, you know, you remember the, the Cal game. I remember watching that and just thinking, you know, we're, we're getting we're getting so close, but we can't get there. And, and the coverage wasn't there on the back end. You know, but that was, again, that was a three-year starter in probably his, you know, 35, 40 career starts by that point of his career. This, this is a guy in his third. So, you know, if you can throw some looks at him that he hasn't seen before, and and get him to you know not only take some sacks hopefully but make the mistakes you know throw you a, throw you a ball or two that you can intercept uh, those those are even bigger than sacks you know sometimes you you get a, a pass rush that doesn't get all the way home but it gets you a turnover don't take that yeah the Sun Devils need to hang on to the ball defensively if the opportunity is there because. Part of why the Washington State game slipped away and and why the team struggled is, you know, big plays is part of what happens when you run this kind of aggressive scheme, but forcing turnovers is supposed to be the the opposite end, the thing that solves the equation. 
And yeah. if we're not getting that, then you're just exposing a weak secondary without the upside. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, again, not not consistently enough. We've had we've had a couple of stretches this year. You know, the Cal game, we had three straight turnovers forced on on three consecutive possessions. Um, and the Texas Tech game, we had a couple there in the second half. And no coincidence that, you know, those stretches were the stretches where we basically took control of those games from kind of toss-up games that could have easily gone the other way. That's where we got the space and ended up winning those two. But, you know, aside from those two little stretches, um, second half Texas Tech and fourth quarter Cal, it just hasn't been there, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, you're right. I mean, that's that's the that's the equalizer. Like you talk about in college basketball where, you know, a team maybe isn't good at some spots, but the three-point shot can be the equalizer. Force of turnovers can be the thing that helps this defense. It's not that good of a group. It, it struggles to get consistent stops, but, boy, you get a turnover or two or three, all of a sudden it looks a whole lot better. Yeah, and it's going to become a factor of fall on the ball and take advantage. You know, yeah, Herbert's yeah. got a couple picks already this year. It's it's not that he's a bad quarterback, but you will get one or two or three chances, and you need yeah. to you need to make them count. Right, right, yeah, yeah. If he throws you one, may you know make the play, and if you can take it back for a score or put it back in, you know, especially with the offense again, like we talked about, that you know probably isn't going to be operating at full strength. Um, and hasn't really been firing on all cylinders for about a month now, you know, get, get a score on defense, you know, get us, get us inside the twenties so we can at least get three points. You know, those, those type of things will go a long ways. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention it and I feel like we're obligated to Zane Gonzalez still really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's it. That's exactly it. You know, make those plays and, and, you know, get him out there and, and, you know, make a kick or two doesn't hurt, you know, when, when you're kind of trying to, you know, band-aid it together on offense, having a good kicker certainly helps. I think it's time to go to our predictions, and I think that your, you know, you're getting us to Zane ties right into my prediction. I think that we will be competitive, but I don't think we'll win. I think we're going to wind up having to settle for a lot more field goals than touchdowns on, on good drives. Yeah. And so I'm taking Oregon 45-37 with three Zane field goals. Okay. Well, I think first time this year we're going to we're going to pick different winners. Um I'm going to pick ASU to win and I'm going to I'm going to go a little lower scoring. I'm going to I'm going to think our defense comes through a little bit more for us, not dominant by any means, but forces those two or three turnovers and I'll go uh I'll go 34-27. Well, I hope you're right. I I would I would like nothing more than to be wrong and have ASU bowl eligible. Uh, you know, I just I just feel like this is one to to try to get. Uh, well, I, look, they're all ones to try to get. Done. That doesn't make any sense. This is one you need to get because with without it, like I said the last time we talked, then you got you know Utah, which is a winnable game, but nonetheless a good team. Then at Washington, which doesn't feel winnable at all, um, and, and you know you're staring down the barrel of potentially a five game losing streak, which is not what anybody wants. No, this is this is the time to write the ship if the ship is going to be righted before yeah. Arizona. Yeah, because I think if you win this one, then all of a sudden the outlook changes and you think, well, hey, we got Utah at home. We got Arizona. You know, we could still get those eight wins. And, and the and pressure – well, and the pressure comes off because you were 5-1. and one. You needed one game right. to be bowl eligible. Now you're 5-3 and three and you need one right. game to be bowl eligible and the games right. are getting harder. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and, uh, you don't, you don't want the scenario of going to Tucson needing that win for anything. You, you know, you just, you just don't. I mean, if you, if you're going there and you need that win to win the division, that's great, but that's not likely. I mean, that dream is, it's not dead, but it's, it's on life support. Um, you know, so, you know, you'd like that game to just, just be the rivalry game. It means something on its own, but, you know, going there five and six, you know, as, as much as they've struggled, you know, you just don't want that. Well, before we go, let's take a look around the college football landscape. You've got Michigan, Michigan State in the rivalry game, but this is not going to be like it was last year. This is Michigan <laughs> destroying Michigan State. I mean, you certainly think it, it lines up for that. Now, I, you know, you always, again, as you said, rivalry game. And, and you know, you always wonder what you what you get out of teams. And certainly Michigan State will be as fired up for this one as they would be for any. They just don't appear to have the the, the guns this year to, to keep up. But, you know, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always a little reticent to, to write off a Mark D'Antonio coach team. Um, you know, and it's, it's at East Lansing. I think Michigan will win and I think they have a chance to potentially win it big, but I, I don't necessarily feel great that it's just going to be a rollover. I think Michigan state might be a little tougher than, than they should be. I think that Michigan state will keep it close for a quarter and Harbaugh will lay into somebody on the sidelines and turn <laughs> red and then it's going to be a route. I mean, you'd think Michigan's defense will feast on the Michigan State offense that has really struggled, and uh, you know the Michigan defense has been one of the best in the nation this year. Um, but again, you know they, they got a long losing streak in that series. You know, not quite as long as us in Oregon, but it's been a few years, and and so uh, you know they they got to exercise those demons. You'd think they could do it, but you know it's one where you you know you got to prove you can do it. The marquee pack 12 game of the weeks, Washington traveling to Rice-Eccles to take on yeah. Utah. That's not an easy trip because, it's it's, you know, no, Utah's no. at altitude and that that defense is good. I know Washington's good in all phases and right now if the playoffs started today, besides there being an investigation into why, they'd sure. be in it. But, <laughs> but Utah, this is a chance to play spoiler because Utah's season yeah. – you know their playoff hopes are are dying. They're not dead at seven and one, but they're dying. They would they're need, unlikely. Yeah, they would yeah, need this yeah. game convincingly and to win out. So, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, and and, and you know, Washington, they've looked great, but you know, you do kind of wonder uh, is their resume built on beating a couple of teams that we thought were better than they were? I mean, Stanford win looked really impressive. What we've seen from Stanford since makes it seem a little less impressive. And and Oregon was in the midst of their swoon when they got them. And, yeah, they went in there and put up 70, and that was very impressive. Uh, you know, But is Oregon really any good? So you do wonder, has Washington really beaten anybody good yet? You could argue they have not. Their, their non-conference was extremely easy, and their conference record so far is, is built on beating some fairly – disappointing or outright bad teams uh you know so this will be an interesting test for them are they that good they go in there and they and they win convincingly then you got to buy in because that's a tough place to win even when utah isn't very good and then this is a good team that's found a little groove with a guy who was retired two weeks ago and, and then last week he puts up 300 some rushing yards yeah it the huskies are favored by 10 if they win this game by two scores i'll be shocked yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be tough, and it'll you know it'll be a 
a definite test for for Browning. Uh, you know, first you know first real tough road game probably. Um, I think they'll win because I think they are pretty good. But I, again, I, you know, you could make the argument they haven't really beaten anybody that good yet. I think they're legit. I just think the schedule you know has been favorable for them. But I, I think they'll I think they'll prove it that they that they are you know that good and and certainly the best team in the conference. I agree with you that they'll win. I just think it's not going to be as big of a lopsided victory as at least Vegas seems to expect. Agreed. I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, it could be it could be ten or fourteen, but I don't think it'll be one of those games where you feel like they dominated. I mean, it could be one of those where they're up by seven and they get a late score. You know, sometimes the the margin can be a little deceiving. Uh, I certainly don't think they'll dominate it the way they did Stanford and Oregon, which was incredibly incredibly impressive what they did. But, you know, again, the competition may be not as good as we thought. Moving on to not the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yeah. I, you know, Florida's good. Georgia is breaking in a freshman quarterback. Struggling. I feel like, though, this is a chance for a marquee Georgia victory. And against my better judgment, I think Eason's going to get them there. Do you? Well, you know, I like Eason. I love his I love his potential. Um, but he is still just a true freshman, and he's showing those true freshman bumps. And, and this team overall is, you know, I mean, he had a really good game against Vandy, uh, but they couldn't run the ball and they couldn't get the stop when they needed. And, uh, you know, I mean, losing at home to Vandy was kind of the let the air out of the balloon for me on that team. Uh, you know, I didn't think they were going to win the SEC anyway, but I, I think Florida's defense might really feast on a young quarterback who's still – Still learning the ropes. Now, next year when we play this game, we might be talking about a whole different story. But uh, Florida's defense is really, really good, and I'm not sure he's ready for that. We'll see. I just feel like if if you're going to have that Hollywood story, it would start yeah. here for Smart and Eason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I would like to see it. Obviously, I you know I like Georgia. I like Eason a lot. Um, but I, I just I think this is a little bit of a – Rebuild year. They got three losses already. Probably going to take a couple more. You know, you, you get yourself into a, a minor bowl game and you try to, you know, you try to peak at the end of the year a little bit, maybe like what Washington did last year, where you, you get rolling at the end behind your true freshman quarterback. Maybe you could build that into 2017. Other marquee games this weekend Nebraska at Wisconsin at Camp Randall. This is sort of like what people would would argue about Washington. This is a big test game for Nebraska coming in at seven and zero. Yeah, and, and unlike Washington, I think this is the week Nebraska gets exposed as as being the product of a pretty soft schedule. Uh, you know, they had the, uh, but again, like Washington, they had the win over Oregon, and that came when Oregon was two and zero and ranked, and and it was a thrilling win. They came back and they scored at the end, and they got the stop and. But now you look at it and you think, boy, was that was that really anything? I mean, Washington at least destroyed Oregon. Nebraska barely beat them at home. And and their early Big Ten schedule has not been very tough. I mean, they've beaten some okay teams. They beat Northwestern. They beat Indiana. This is a different level. I, I, I think this is the week they take their first loss, and they'll take it pretty convincingly, I think. It's certainly going to be a difficult environment for Nebraska because – you know, Camp Randall will be packed. I know that everybody in Illinois is focused on what's going on in Chicago, but <laughs> but everybody in Wisconsin, because of the Packers' struggles and the fact that they're playing without their top three cornerbacks against Julio Jones, is focused first on this Nebraska game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, 
I, I think uh, you know the Wisconsin offense probably isn't good enough to 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 roll up a big win, you know, a, a thirty plus point win or something like that. But I think this is I think this is one where they'll they'll win it, you know, somewhere in the area of twenty three to seven, something, you know, something where it's convincing enough that you think. Yeah, Nebraska was probably the product of an easy schedule more so than really being that improved. Good team. They're they're definitely improved. But, you know, a lot of times it depends on how you play the games, and they haven't they haven't got to their meat of their schedule yet. Uh, other important games, I think Texas A&M will pound New Mexico State, and now we've talked yes. about them, so Greg will be yeah. happy. But, yeah. the, but the real important game, Clemson-Florida State <sighs> – yeah what matt where do you think this will go because you know these two teams pretty well i mean it's it's a tricky one to forecast it's you know it's been a you know the the winner has has uh you know been in the championship game or the playoff each of the last three years so i mean it's been a big game and clemson certainly has a chance to keep that streak alive i don't think florida state does they need a whole lot of help to get get back in the picture national championship wise but you know, Florida State's been maddeningly inconsistent, and really, to a certain extent, Clemson has too. Um, uh, you know, I mean, watching Florida State, they got behind big against Ole Miss. They come back and win. You think, you know, maybe that's a, a victory that sparks them. Instead, they get pounded at Louisville. They they can't get stops when they needed them most against Carolina. But now the last two weeks, defense has played better. They have a, a good quarterback who's really, you know, taken ownership of that team pretty quickly as a redshirt freshman. And one over the team with his with his toughness and his grit. Um, they're at home. This will be a big, big, big test for Clemson. Probably the biggest one left, you know, on the way to at least the ACC title game. They win this. It's it should be a pretty smooth ride to get to the ACC championship game undefeated. But they they just haven't looked the way you'd expect. They they remind me a little bit of Florida State two years ago when they when Winston came back and had so much back. They just weren't. They weren't able to consistently play as well as they did the previous year. So, it's a tough one. I I almost think Florida State pulls this one out. I think that this is the final big test for Clemson. I think they'll rise to the occasion. Watson's having a. It's one of those times where when you have a great quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you don't appreciate how good he is because he's not perfect. He's got twenty yeah. touchdowns. He's got almost two thousand yards passing already. But, oh, yeah. but he's being nitpicked because he's got the eight interceptions and they have, yeah. you know, they've played the tight games, but they put so much on him. They ask him to do so much. And I think that for at least one more big moment, he'll be there for them and they'll pull this one out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'll be a, a really tight battle. I think it'll come down to the end and they, you know, Clemson made the plays necessary against Louisville. They were down eight in the fourth and, you know, Louisville had come back and really hit them with that blitz in the second half. And, and I didn't know if Clemson could respond and they did. They went down and scored. They missed the two. They got the stop. They went down and score again. And then they get the, the tackle there at the end to win the game. And, um, you know, they answered the bell then when they needed it most, they've had some other games this year. They just haven't looked very good, but bottom line is they are seven and oh, and, and if they keep winning just like that Florida state team, just like Ohio state last year, you keep winning, you're going to get in. It doesn't have to look pretty. They just have to keep piling up wins, and they'll have their chance in, in January. That's 100% true. It's going to be an interesting weekend for ASU. It's going to be an interesting weekend across the board in college football. Matt and I will be back to break it all down after the ASU-Oregon game. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.